The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Oh, yeah, we're double dipping. I'm going to be doing a couple of hours for a while, so I hope you can stick around for that extra hour. And tell your friends, if you're not yet, uh, got all of your friends listening to us here on TNT Radio as they drive home from work or sitting back on the lounge, possibly enjoying your dinner uh, with on the big screen, watching it on YouTube. And by the way, if you don't have a smart TV, and I should have grabbed it, I've got one just over here to my right. Um, I've got eight of them in the house. There is a device it's about $240 Australian. It is about that big for those watching on the uh, video stream. If not, it's about the size of two cigarette packets. It's called an Apple TV. You can plug that into any TV that is not smart or, of course, make your smart TV just a little bit smarter. It's a terrific interface. It really is one of the best interfaces. And here's for those watching, here's a remote control for the Apple TV. Yes, it doesn't come with that very pleasant-looking green cover. But what you do is this bit here, you slide it up and down as you would a trackpad on, 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 on a mouse, and, of course, you can just um, click it. It's terrific. It's got a volume control here that you can just talk to the device. So, for example, if you were to say uh, push the button in, say, YouTube, TNT Radio live stream, it would pop up. It turns your TV on and off. It'll pop it up and you are straight into our live stream. So that would be phenomenal if you would uh, get one of those and it makes it very easy to do and quite the pleasant experience. Download all of your favorite apps. No, I'm not getting paid by Apple to do a free ad. It is one of the best devices ever. And I'm not even a fan of Apple products, but I do have that in eight iPads, but I hire them out. So we won't get into that. But uh, lots to talk about. The online chat, people getting pretty busy in there as well. Uh, been, let's read a few of the comments that are there. The Cossack is a gentleman. That one from Auto Autone Records. Uh, the Australian government, <laughs> there's a bunch of putting PEDs out amongst the public. And let's quickly talk about that before I even move on to some of the other comments. Some of those people who were released into the general population who we thought should have been deported, guess what? Three of them have already re-offended. Wow. Now, whichever judge or magistrates uh, let people like that out, I say you should be sitting next to them in the dock if you got it that right, because the bulk of the Australian public didn't want any of these people released. They wanted them deported. We certainly didn't want them deported for things they say. And the Aussie Cossack and I spoke about this yesterday. They made amendments to those laws so that people who they deemed had foreign interests and who advocated for those with their mouth, who did no harm with their fists, um, those people um, are the ones they're going after, not those who rape and pillage and steal and beat people up, not those. They're fine, apparently, and they've been released into the public, and three of them have already re-offended, and that's just the three that we are aware of, and there could be many more and that we don't know of yet as well. So that in itself is frightening. Um, of course, you had some members of parliament calling others, uh, those who support pedophiles, and but as the truth had it, that was because they felt the laws didn't go far enough, but when they went that one step further, they went a step too far. And certainly we don't care what people say. I don't think a word, a word is a weapon. I think a word is something that makes you think, that makes you uh, decide, that brings about a thought process that could lead to action, admittedly, 
But quite simply, I don't think there's anything wrong with talking. I don't think there ever has been. And certainly the founders of America have enshrined that into their constitution because they realise that if you can stifle free speech, then what do you have left? Literally, you have a society that um, is just absolutely uh, beyond help if you lose that. Uh, a bunch of other comments on here. Let's scroll down and have a look. Uh, yeah, now the latest is that there's been up to 12,000 public servants and elites who were exempted from the mandates. That always coming from Autone Records as well. And that's a story that I touched upon the other day. And I know other commentators here at TNT have been touching on. And isn't it ridiculous? Here they were, you know, basically we were worried. Some of us, they'd come knocking at our door, forcing us to take this jab, telling you that you should have it, that you are no longer a worthwhile member of society. And many people jumping on, piling on, if you will, saying, yeah, if you're not going to get vaccinated, you shouldn't be allowed out in public. And of course, those same politicians and people in the media were exempt. They didn't have to do it. And I will say this. Now, many of you would be thinking, no, those politicians should have had to get the jab. Yes, I agree. But what if I was to say, what if they were to say, well, Pauline Hanson and, and Malcolm Roberts had to get the jab? See, then we wouldn't like it. So I'm glad that none of the politicians had to get the jab because the good ones, that means didn't have to get it as well. Otherwise, they couldn't have been in parliament to do the things that they do. But at the same time, if you want to pick, you know, pick and choose, yeah, all of those who advocated for it should have put their arm out publicly. Some did. Saline solution. As far as I'm concerned, I, I I could pick, I won't name, an entire nation that I believe had nothing but saline solutions while they went and advocated for everybody else to go and get them. But uh, time will tell. I guess the numbers over the next decade or something will be rather telling where that is concerned. But certainly concerning is the word of the day with what they're intending to do over there in Ireland. And, of course, what happens in Ireland will you know, spread throughout Europe the EU, the UK, and whatnot. And of course, coming up after the break, we'll be, or after this brief interlude, we'll be talking to Gemma Cooper about that. So why not give TNT Radio a follow and watch on TV? Uh, we are on all of the major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us to get the word, word out on the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Media veteran and all-around nice gal, Gemma Cooper. How are you? Very well, very well. I like the word gal, girl. I'll take that at my age. I'll take the word girl. <laughs> well, you, you, you look pretty. I, I'm not going to ask your age. I, I'd say you're younger than me. I think you look terrific. And I mean that in a very, I'm going to say plutonic way, and I do, but um, I think you look terrific. So I just thought I'd share that. And I don't know if it's inappropriate or not, but if anyone tells me, I, if they want to lie and tell me I look terrific, I'll take it. I'll wear it any day. No, no, I'll take it. And I'm very open about my age because I'm a big believer in the midlife passage. Um, I'm 52 and three quarters, and this is what 52 and three quarters looks like. So there we go. <laughs> That's, I've nailed my colours firmly to the mast. I've had my midlife crisis and I've ended up at TNT. Thank God. Thank God well, for that. As, hey. <laughs> as, long as, as long as you didn't buy a convertible, you're doing okay. And they do talk about that. And it's funny because I found myself, I used to you know, pull up at the light, see somebody in a convertible and I'd say to my son, if you have a convertible, there's a 90% chance you're probably a tosser. I would say that. And um, and here I was looking at these really nice BMW V8 turbo convertibles 
night after night and I'm thinking, no, I can't be that guy. I can't be. I'm going to fight the urge. But it was a very nice-looking car. Anyway, I digress. Gemma Cooper, there's lots going on over in the UK. And uh, tell us something. Well, we were talking about Ireland and um, online hate at the top of the last hour. And interestingly, I, I sometimes wonder about the, you know, the laws of the universe and manifestation, because no sooner that I come off air, then I found a story that perfectly illustrated the things that we are concerned about, that our listeners are concerned about with, you know, the restriction of free speech, free thought. And um, we're talking about Ireland. And uh, it's interesting. Obviously, we had the riots in Dublin last week as a result of the stabbing outside of a school of a teacher uh, and some children. And, and that, that's caused those huge riots in the city of Dublin and a whole kind of powder keg of pressure and, and immigration and all sorts of feelings have just exploded in that country. And as a reaction, there is an inquiry now in the Irish Parliament. And yesterday, um, the bosses of the social media companies, Meta, TikTok and Google, who have their HQs in Dublin nefariously for tax purposes, um, they all had to appear before this inquiry and talk about their role in the Dublin riots and the role of social media in allegedly uh, propelling far right conspiracy type theory groups to commit this violence, if that's indeed the truth. Now, you can tell that this inquiry and, and the evidence that the social media companies are being forced to give to the Irish Parliament will be used absolutely as a stick uh, to, to kind of beat these online hate bills into, into fruition. Because the social media companies are saying, we can't control the spread of social media now, especially on things like WhatsApp when it's still encrypted. Yeah. It said messages can be spread, you know, in a, in a split second can be in thousands of different groups. You can't um, verify the information. So, of course, what they're saying is we need to fact check more. We need to fact check more. We need to clamp down on this so-called disinformation and misinformation. Um, they said during the riots they took a thousand pieces of so-called misinformation off Facebook. Was it misinformation, though? This is the key. Or was it the truth? Because social media was the only place that was naming the attacker as an Algerian immigrant, whereas the mainstream media wouldn't do it at all. They wanted to play down that aspect and instead talk about the violence of the riots and the fact that, you know, the police were under attack and under siege. Well, the real story should have been that there was a man stabbing children and, and teachers. That You see, this truth is skewed when it comes to what's misinformation and what isn't. Um, what is also worrying in this inquiry is that Facebook is saying that it worked very closely with the Guardi as the riots were going on to establish what was happening. So there you have a social media company hand in hand with the state police. Now, I don't think that is something that any of us want. So they're up to they're up in front of this inquiry. It, the, the kind of inference is you can blame social media for the Dublin riots because of all the misinformation and hatred that spread at a click of a button. That's what this is inferring. It's, there, it's not looking at the policies of the Irish government and how that contributed to the riots. It's not looking at the, you know, how this man who clearly had mental health problems, this Algerian man, was able to, to be let loose on the streets and stab the poor children and the teacher. That's not, you know, coming into question. Oh, it's all the fault of social media. Therefore, ergo, we will have to bring in stronger laws to pretend, pre prevent this thing happening on social media again and the fueling of far-right groups. Do you see the in inversion there of how this is all going to be going? It's not yeah. looking at the real issues behind this story at all. And unfortunately, becoming all too predictable these days uh, when it comes to all of this. But uh, again, you know, as, as you suggest, with these new uh, rules that they're trying to get across in, in Ireland and just the fact that the politicians and media and social media are in such lockstep um, I think it's going to bring to the fore 
the real problem. As you said, not only will they not report if somebody happens to be an Algerian who goes and stabs bring to the fore the real problem. As you said, not only will they not report if somebody happens to be an Algerian who goes and stabs a bunch of kids and somebody, a woman who comes to their aid, but likewise, inversely, if you will, if, if it was white on black crime, it's a hate crime and the person's everything but their home address will be on the front page of the paper. So it really is one-way traffic on that particular street. And where there is very obvious one-way traffic, traffic, if you will, it reeks of agenda and you can't help but, uh, but notice it. And that is the problem with the media. I think that's why so many people uh, are tuning out. You're somebody who worked at the BBC for a couple of decades, I, I do believe, and now people are refusing to pay their TV licences because it is no longer something that they can relate to. The people who remain there are not people who they feel they can trust anymore, and I don't blame them. I mean, as, as an Australian, we can't believe that you actually have to pay for a, a TV license. I mean, obviously we are paying. They're taking it out of our tax dollars here because certainly if they asked us to pay for the ABC, very few people would be, dip, di, uh, you know, digging into their pockets uh, to, to do that. Absolutely not here in Australia. Mm, absolutely. I mean, I think that would be the way it went if the license fee was abolished. Maybe they'll come out and try and do it via a tax route. I think there wouldn't be much appetite for that in the UK anymore. And the license fee has been a huge subject of debate um, over the last few days. Um, and it certainly is is going to be changed. Um, but just going back to this inquiry, I think what is really sinister is you've got social media companies working with the police. Um, you know, so that that in itself is another kind of extension of this arm of power, as you say, everybody working in lockstep together um, to stop what they consider misinformation, not what might be the truth on the street, but what they consider misinformation. And of course, you control the narrative, as we've seen over the last three and a half years, you control behavior. Um, I think the narrative is slipping on so many things now, not just things like, you know, vaccine mandates and where we were three and a half years ago, but on things like immigration, which is a problem globally. Um, but yeah, th this this kind of creeping inference of like, oh, it's all social media's fault. Therefore, we'll have to bring in all these new laws, not government policy, no, 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 nothing to do with the government, nothing to do with globalism policies. No, 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 it's all social media, therefore let's control it. Yeah, it's really frightening what's happening and just, you know, the amount of legal uh, things that people shall have to contend with. And it's a good thing that we've got people such as the guests I've got coming up after the break, Tony Nikolic, who is somebody who takes on the cases that very few others will and very successfully too, I might add. And we need people like him over in the UK. Certainly we've got him here in Australia and others like Tony, but uh, we need to be, um, we're going to have to be very vigilant. We have to be very careful. And who knows, a knock on the door could lead to us having to knock on a, a solicitor to this door anytime soon, just because we have a, a people who are not just advocating or putting out the truth, but people who have an interest in the truth. Those who uh, have determined that that which they hear in the mainstream media may not be as, uh, may not stand up to scrutiny as much as they would have us believe. Gemma Cooper, as oh, Gemma Cooper, before you go, I've got to ask a question for those of us here in Australia. With the TV licenses, I always wanted to ask this over in the UK. If you don't even have a TV aerial and have, like me, not watched, you know, commercial, you know, terrestrial antenna TV for 15 years, um, are you still expected to pay that? Or how do they police who does and who doesn't pay it? I don't know how it works over there. 
Well, you can opt out. You can, if you haven't watched television, you don't watch television. If you don't have a television, you just go online and you opt out and you say, I don't watch. Okay. And then you wait for the, the letters or the knock at the door. Um, people used to be terrified decades ago of the knock on the door or what was called the TV licensed detective van, <laughs> which could apparently go by your house and, t- and tell if you were watching television. That turned wow. out to be, you know what? A lie. It was a lie. And it terrified people. And little old ladies who were on a state pension who couldn't afford the TV license were sent to prison decades ago because of not paying. And also there was a report out a couple of weeks ago, 1,700 people in the last year have been sent to prison for non-payment of TV license. That means that they were watching TV still allegedly um, and not paying. Now, I don't think they went to prison for very long. I think they were made an example of, but that's, that's what we're looking at here still in the UK. It's absolutely disgraceful. No, it really is. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I've got a, a ham radio license and I understand that what comes through an antenna, what you're putting out, yeah, you can measure what you are receiving, but passes through our bodies, through every bit of steel and our environment. So they absolutely cannot tell what it is that you're tuned into without coming inside the house and actually watching. Many people um, who aren't watching TV, I left a TV aerial up in the house because when I worked on AM radio, if I wanted to pick up AM radio, I'd use the TV antenna through my, in my um, you know, stereo system to pick up the uh, radio waves and certainly not TV. So Gemma Cooper, thank you for enlightening us on that. I look forward to our chat tomorrow uh, here at TNT Radio. Thank you. And uh, Tony Nicolet coming up after the break. Stick around. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there. And Biden was behind it, pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. I bet you more than 50 percent didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in, in uh, Palestine uh, with the U.S. since since well, under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down. Thank God. But you know, Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world these people are have been after israel forever and and uh, supported by iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them not uh, you know basically uh create chaos in the middle east terrorism and and we saw what happened earlier this year about a month ago uh, the two one attack in israel and the death and destruction rape and kidnapping more than 240 people kidnapped joe hoft on today's news talk radio tnt When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. I'm just reading some of the chat. Uh, people are a bit surprised. I'm here for two hours for the foreseeable future, just for a, a while. Uh, and some people, any of you who have been listening to TNT for the last eight months would probably expect to hear me about now because I only had a, a few weeks away. Then I decided I missed TNT and, and came back. But uh, somebody made the joke, Dean, tell them you're not a monster. You know, why people will be expecting a UK voice. Well, I can do a pretty good UK accent. I can do an ex- exceptional Scottish one, if you like because my dad's from Paisley. I can do that if it makes you feel more comfortable. But then again, all of you over in the UK, you're the country who watches Neighbours 
and um, Home and Away, we don't watch it. So you like our accent. So I'll just continue to use my own, as will my next guest, Tony Nikolic. Uh, he is the general manager of AFL Solicitors, a highly accomplished lawyer and criminologist with a great passion for learning about law and providing efficient and legal aid to clients to achieve favourable outcomes. And boy, hasn't he had some favourable outcomes. A speaker of truth, a defender of those who have absolutely been done over by the politicians and the police. And I welcome him from AFL Solicitors, Tony Nikolic. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Dean. Great to be here. Mate, always an absolute pleasure. And, uh, mate, you're sitting here in Australia. I mean, I could imagine if you were over, you know, if we could move that that island over to the east just a bit closer to shore, you would be absolutely chafing at the bit to go over and, and support people who are blowing whistles over in New Zealand. And, of course, uh, mate, well, what are your thoughts on what's happening over there at the moment? Oh, I think it's very interesting. I thought it was only a matter of time. I think, as you know, Dean, I actually published um, strangely enough and or fortuitously enough, as you may say, I published in uh, 2014 in the International Handbook of Whistleblower Research and one of the main topics of that was to make uh, whistleblower laws all around the world um, become aligned in such a way where whistleblowers were supported, but not only supported, but incentivised. Um, and that's something un unlike America where they've got uh, the False Claims Act, that seems to be lacking in almost all around the world. Now, we talk about, you know, as you go through school, they say, hey, if you see something, say it. If you see something wrong, talk about it, report yeah. it. But what happens to be the case is when they report wrongdoing in corporate um, or government, they are attacked. And it appears to me, at first blush anyway, um, what is happening over there in New Zealand is a typical case of uh, attacking a whistleblower. Um, again, going back to that, chapter that I wrote back in 2014, it was about introducing new laws. But those new laws, if you actually look at it, I was talking about um, energy. Um, so we're talking about renewable energy yeah. and the cyclic uh, cash uh, uh, economy that comes from that uh, renewable um, cash cow. We also t spoke about the military industrial complex, but its focus was pharmaceutical frauds and false claims. That's what its focus was. And what, what I was trying to get across is some of the most heavily litigated uh, uh, companies around the world are pharmaceutical companies for engaging in false and misleading uh, research. In particular, you've got research misconduct. We have uh, gouging. We have uh, salespeople saying things that really aren't true. And I think through the pandemic, when I've seen uh, the Australian Health Minister, Greg Hunt, come out and say, well, this is the world's biggest clinical trial on you right there and then. Someone had to get onto that and that triggered where we're at. But what's happening over in New Zealand is a classical case of, you know, going after the messenger. Yeah. Mate, it's, uh, it's very frightening when you think that those who advocated that we should all extend our arm, trust the science, and tell told us that it was safe and effective, that those people themselves would have believed that would have uh, put their own arms out. But it sadly turns out that when it comes to COVID shots, that there were many people who were exempted from this. And of course, those in the media, those in politics, all those who were pushing this the strongest, that in itself would be borderline criminal when you have a look at 
some of the uh, uh, stories and data that have come to light subsequently. And of course, mate, your thoughts on that, I would absolutely love to hear because I, I just can't believe that with all these exemptions that were put out there, that again, those that we trusted to tell people in the media of those exemptions, many of them were enjoying themselves. Oh, absolutely! Look, it's, it was um, right. One rule for thee, and one rule for me. If you if you think about it, that's what I've yeah. been saying for many years now, and and it's most unfortunate because if we have a look at the very principles of an equitable participatory democracy, well, everyone gets treated equally. Well, that wasn't the case here. So what was happening is the people making the laws in some cases um, were making the laws for others but not for themselves but when you actually looked at what was happening there was a sleight of hand going on and there was a big bait and switch going on through this whole process and it was classical classical psychological operations because in one breath they were saying it's a mandate in the other they were saying well we can't mandate it so people were getting confused but what was happening was a lot of the media messages from the mainstream or legacy media as I now refer to them uh, was they were looking at that mandate message but cutting out you're not mandated so people had that message of well i must go and get it the, the very fact that they were exempting themselves i think in itself is not only heinous but i think misleading it's deceptive and i think that these sorts of issues when they come up by virtue of the people who are ruling they should never rule again they should never be in charge they should never get a seat because if they are willing to do that to their population and not to themselves then we really have a big problem when it comes to social equity and political equity across the spectrum and that is something that a lot of people missed um, we've seen it in new zealand we've seen it here uh, we've seen it in a lot of places and it was most unfortunate that, that was the case now if it is determined to be the case where they were exempting themselves. And as we know, and as you know, a lot of this was going on at a time where uh, the mandates were in full swing and they were actually rejecting people. So we had Dan Andrews from Victoria, well, every state premier. We even had Gunner from up there in Northern Territory going crazy about anyone that's anti-mandate is anti-vax. They deserve nothing. And well, apart from sending him to a concentration camp, a lot of the premiers all around Australia pretty well did their best to segregate, stigmatise and ostracise those that didn't, but didn't do it to themselves. They did a fantastic job. As you advocated, these people should never, ever be in a position to be able to do that to us again, and I couldn't agree more. Sadly, what's happened is, uh, sorry, I'm just going to move this brown paper bag on my desk before I uh, launch into this conversation. Um, many of them now stepping down for family reasons and, of course, are getting far better paying jobs, more lucrative jobs. Um, some would argue possibly as a reward for doing as they were told. Some perhaps just that's just the way it rolls, but certainly many of them stepping down from their roles and taking on jobs that many of us would consider to be better, certainly better paid. That in itself is frightening. I did hear rumours, and maybe you could uh, um, tell me if this is true or not, but when some of these politicians were trying to get about the country, those who were, of course, exempt from getting vaccines, they were going up to airline staff and basically just telling them that they were MPs and being ushered on through. Is that true? Have you heard anything that would back that statement up? Because I've heard that several times from several people. Yeah, look, 
I haven't heard that directly um, in the sense of, you know, having it from a verified source, if I could say it like that. I have heard the rumour um, and I'd like, if it is verified, then I think people need to come through, in particular airline staff, we yeah. need them to come through. Um, if they were to do so and that was the case and they could name someone, then that is certainly something that, you know, should be addressed because, again, one rule for thee and one for me. <laughs> That's not how this country works. It never has and it never should, Okay. It's not, mate. And, of course, if you are out there listening and you do, uh, you are subjected to one of those rules that seems to apply to only you. You are hard done by. I cannot imagine that you would contact anybody else other than Tony Nikolic of AFL Solicitors. He's a true champion and uh, he's had some terrific outcomes and he genu genuinely cares. And I think that's exactly the type of person that we need in our corner. Tony Nikolic, I thank you for your time and we'll do it again soon. Thank you very much and thanks for having me. And Happy holidays. Everyone stay safe. Yeah, mate. The same, same to you. Enjoy. Uh, Jeremy Beck coming up after the break. All you have to do is stick around. This is TNT Radio. Rolling. TNT Radio News. This is news. Here we go. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The UN chief has hit the panic button, invoking Article 99 of the United Nations to address the war in Gaza. Despite a catalogue of evidence proving otherwise, US President Joe Biden's once again tried denying that he had anything to do with his son's foreign business dealings. It's just a bunch of lies. You didn't interact with many of their business associates? I did not. They're what? lies. And the world's first fourth generation nuclear power plant has officially started commercial operation in China. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. And welcome back to the program. That is classic. I was holding up a, a um, remote control for an Apple TV trying to show all of you who have taken to our new live stream exactly what the remote control looks like. <laughs> and of course, it's the exact color of my green screen. So it was invisible. So at some point, I will take that control off and I will hold it up again and show you. Or of course, you can just Google Apple TV, but it's definitely the way to be watching. Sit back, kick back. Why forget Channel 9, forget all the disinformation. Let's tune in and you can check out myself and people such as Jeremy Beck, who I'm going to be having a chat with. An absolutely sensational fella and somebody who any of you who have been listening to my program for the last seven or eight months would be uh, absolutely familiar with. Jeremy Beck, how are you going? G'day, Dean. Yeah, good to be with you. Mate, terrific to have you on. So much going on lately. It's just you, you literally don't know where to start. We we spoke off air earlier and we had a range of topics to, to pick, but I think the one that uh, we're going to chat about, I think it's it's something that we need to do. So, mate, launch into it and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to get, getting this, this out there. Sure. Well, it's amazing. You couldn't pick it. Uh, European Union scientists said Wednesday or yesterday that 2023 would be the warmest year on record. <laughs> uh, now, they claim uh, global mean temperature for the first 11 months of the year hit the highest level on record, 1.46 degrees Celsius or 2.63 degrees Fahrenheit, above the 1850 to 1900 average. Uh, wow. Now, it's just really odd, Dean, uh, that this has just coincided with this major climate summit, the UN COP28 summit in Dubai, where all these uh, billionaires and world leaders are travelling there on their private jets. Can you believe that? 
Mate, unfortunately, I can. It's almost predictable. Sometimes when they get some of this data, and I do use the term very loosely, they have a weather station that's very conveniently, you know, located next to some black tarmac or something where it reflects heat up. Mate, I cannot. Now, you're in Victoria, down in Mexico way. And of course, here in New South Wales and those in Queensland, far worse. I can remember in the last, I can't remember what year, but, you know, in, in the last decade or so, having days where the mercury tipped 50 degrees Celsius. Now, I have not in the last eight years, I cannot remember a day even going close to that. And here they are telling us that, you know, we're going to have one of the hottest days ever or the hottest day in recorded history. And we're not buying it because we're not feeling it. We weren't born (laughs) yesterday, mate, and we've been out there and we've experienced those hot days and you never forget a 50-degree day, do you, or a 48-degree day as you would have experienced down in Melbourne. Yeah, I think it got up to 46 in Melbourne back in 2009. Uh, But look, you know, we get these hot days from time to time and nothing to do with climate change. Uh, Look, you know, these anomalies happen. I can go back to old newspaper archives and I've seen some horrendous heat waves that they had. And and you wouldn't know by today's mainstream media. But Steve Malloy from JunkScience.com He's exposed this so-called warmest year narrative as just a complete sham. And and junkscience.com is, is just quite a good website, actually. I recommend people check it out. But uh, Malloy says that there is no recorded history for average global temperature because it's never been recorded. It's an <laughs> average it's an yeah. average temperature. You've got to add up all the different records from all the different stations and divide it by the number. That's how you get a mean. But you're never going to, you know, add them every single one. How many stations are? I don't I don't think anyone in, knows in, in how Germany, many stations who there Who could are. possibly have done that 40 years ago? You know, these <laughs> days, all the weather stations are all connected to the internet. They can all feed into a server and they can do that. How could you possibly have done that, you know, even 30 years ago? I think it would have been basically impossible. And some stations have been shut down, some open up. I've gone through all the, the records in the Bureau of Meteorology's ones, and oh, it's amazing how many different stations there are, and they last for a few decades, and they shut it down, and they open up another station up maybe a kilometre down the road. And the temperatures, you can't compare apples with apples then when you've got a different station <laughs> and a different location. Uh, look, it's just nonsense. Now, Malloy also says he, the average global temperature is a mysterious black box calculation uh, invented for the climate hoax. He says it has no physical meaning. That is that there is no place with the average global temperature. It's not a measured statistic, as I've basically said. Uh, it is estimated by estimates by who's doing the estimating. Now, some people come up with a different number because they pick different stations. They'll omit stations. You can cherry pick some stations. It's just madness. Now, he also makes the point that since 1979, we've had global satellites that have measured temperature. Before then, we didn't have a satellite record, obviously. But the satellite record's quite interesting, and I've been following that for a long time. Uh, The satellite record is actually closer to reality because the problem with a lot of land-based stations is they're in urban centres, and as population grows and as the economy grows, those urban centres grow, and then you get what's called a heat island effect. Uh, So on average... The, the, the temperature around the, the whole region 
maybe much of a muchness, but in that little spot in that city, it's getting warmer and warmer because you have more concrete, more cars, more buildup. And clearly that little spot is warmer, but overall it doesn't mean the whole planet has warmed. Yeah, it doesn't. And when we talk about that, I mean, and for any children listening, great news because climate change is a hoax. We uh, we got on the phone, didn't we, earlier today, Jeremy? We rang Santa's workshop and uh, the polar ice caps are still there, still fully intact, despite the fact that there was a movie with a pretend Santa, not the real one, an actor, who uh, went and told the kids that the, uh, that the Santa's workshop was in danger of melting. These are the people that we have behind this hoax, and they will absolutely try and devastate the mindset of a young child to to push their their narrative. One of the most memorable calls I ever had when doing talkback radio was a person who rang me up and I was having a joke about buying a beach house in the Blue Mountains. And um, he was this character having a go at me. You don't know what you're talking about. There's an island, the island's sinking. It's obviously the sea levels are rising, to which I counted with, well, the last time I checked, gravity does a pretty good job of keeping the ocean at the same level everywhere. So if it's not happening everywhere else and it's only happening there, there's a very good chance that the same way that an, an island that was never there may pop up through the ocean surface that some of them sink. And there is a multitude of reasons for that. It can be also winds and whatnot. But these people, they will cherry pick their data, cherry pick their information to find something that counters a narrative. And here we are talking about actual, real, recorded global averages. Um, and we, anyone can go down to Sydney Harbour, for example, have a look and get in your boat, take a photo of Fort Denison, go back, find one of those photos, from 1890, check out the high watermark as you zoom in. The ocean level is sitting exactly where it was 130 years ago. Simple as that. Exactly right, Dean. And you have a look at the uh, sea level. It has marginally gone up, but in some areas it's gone down. And that's because there is no such thing as a sea level. Uh, just the same as there's no such thing as average temperature because some of the tectonic plates are moving around and some parts of the world are going up a little bit and some parts are going down a little bit. The world's moving around in different places and some places are subsiding. We've got water extraction, groundwater extraction, which is making some land drop down and that water that was originally under the land goes into the ocean. So the ocean level has just gone up just a smidgen, but it's next to nothing. Go down to the local beach and you'll know, you couldn't notice a difference yourself. Yeah. So it's just a lot of alarmism. And Jeremy, one of the best things people could do, and it doesn't occur to most people to do it, nor would it, um, unless somebody puts it in your face. And somebody did that to me years ago, and they sent me a photo. Now, we know that the, the moon, because it doesn't have any water on there, it's basically perfectly round with the exception of the odd crater here and there, or lots of craters, I should say. But if you have a look at the a photo of the Earth, and they do, or not a photo, uh, a computer-generated image of the Earth without water, it looks like a half-chewed peanut that you spat out. It is absolutely not spherical at all. And again, because of that, because of winds, because of a whole bunch of um, factors, yeah, we will have varying sea levels from place to place. But one thing is certainly for sure, our polar ice caps are intact. We're in good shape. I think we'd be far more worried about an ice age, certainly than our polar ice caps melting. And the Earth has undergone all of these things time after time. They are cyclic and cyclic over eons, if you will, but, uh, but certainly nothing that our grandkids should be paying for and that we should be borrowing trillions of dollars to pay. And that's just us here in Australia with a, a, a 
tiny little population, 26 to 27 million. And for those listening in, in the UK, um, I mean, we got this huge landmass, 3,080% the size of the UK. And there they are trying to get you to pay more because of your population size. And again, if they're that worried about the climate, if they're that worried about your quality of life and the pollutants, why are they bringing in hundreds of thousands of people from third world countries where they can't afford a vehicle to come into your country or mine and have one? It's uh, a bit counterintuitive. I say Ponzi scheme. I say scam. I say follow the money. And that's what we need to do, Jeremy, is it not? Yeah, for sure, Dean. Follow the money because at the end of the day, these globalists, these technocrats, they're the ones that are flying around in their private jets. They're the ones with the money. They want a wealth transfer from ordinary people like all of us. And uh, it's all one big con. I think most people are starting to wake up. I, I remember going back to the the 1990s and that they st started pushing this global warming ideology and then it came climate change and now it's global boiling. Uh, I, I remember that a lot of people were taking it seriously for many, many years, but now it's just becoming more and more absurd. I, 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 the more people I talk to, they're just realising, follow the money and it's these elites that are pushing it and all they want to do is control us, take our wealth away, shut down our economies, it's just based on one big scam. Look, uh, it has to be, we must be at the tipping point where there's just going to be a revolt saying enough is enough. Yeah, mate, people need to wake up. You know, they used to say of oh, the big banks, too big to fail. We saw that wasn't the case as far as countries with a, a predominantly well-adjusted uh, economy, those with a bunch of natural resources, such as Venezuela, doing very, very well historically until they decided that they wanted Hugo Chavez and they wanted to go the communist way, put their feet up, sit back and do nothing for just over a decade, and the place now is a basket case. And that's what happens when you've got infiltrators who want to take your money, who uh, who want to stop those who wish to work hard from being able to make some money, and uh, those who have their hand out taking the rest. Right? And that's what it is, those who have their hand out taking the rest from the top end of town, and all we can do is work as hard as we can to uh, make people think for themselves, because, mate, you can't give someone an opinion. All you can do is give them the information and hope that they can come up with that opinion themselves. And that's what we're here to do at TNT Radio, and that's why we appreciate Appreciate you so much, Jeremy Beck. Thanks for coming on the program today. Thanks, Dean. And he'll be back. He will absolutely be back, and I will insist on it. He is wonderful. And so are you for hanging around. And, of course, if you've done your homework and told all of your friends that not only can you hear the truth here on TNT Radio as you sit at home or get around in your car driving home from work, but now you can listen. You can watch as well, was what I meant to say. And uh, do that. Get an Apple TV. Get a smart TV. Get on your phone, get on your tablet and go to the YouTube or Rumble. Uh, it's as easy as typing in TNT Radio live stream, clicking on the link and getting in the habit of doing that. And a habit that I have is talking to terrific people and I'll be doing just that to Dr. Melissa McCann after this break. Many pollution sources can affect the air you breathe. From power plants and vehicles to dust and wildfires. Knowing more about local air quality can help you protect your health. If you're thinking about buying an air sensor, EPA has a series of videos to help you get the most out of it. Learn how EPA collects and uses regulatory data, how EPA communicates health messaging, and how to interpret the readings from your sensor. Visit epa.gov air sensor toolbox. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit 
heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been in prolonged for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution, and we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit, and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. Dean Mackin. Dean Mackin. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Yeah, this is better than a sports program because you won't catch this many champions, this many heroes on your average sports show. And don't get me started on Queensland and the Commonwealth Games. That, what, what a hot potato that is. But that's a topic for another time. Some of the best people come from Queensland. I'm about to talk to one of them, Dr. Melissa McCann. She started as a pharmacist, worked in hospitals in WA, escaped WA just in time, of course, uh, ran a remote clinic in WA uh, with light aeroplane access. Dr. McCann completed her general practice fellowship in Gympie in Queensland and finally relocated. And as I just pointed out to her, I am immensely jealous to the Wit Sundays. We have the pleasure of her company right now. Dr. Melissa McCann, how are you? Hi, Dean. Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh, an absolute pleasure. A pleasure. And it's great to talk to you, but we're going to talk about serious stuff. And we'll get to the NZ COVID data leak straight away. Um, we've been talking at length during the program about that. We, we had a, a former MP, uh, Matt King. We had him uh, speaking of the, the political aspects of it, our former uh, detective as well. But, of course, I'd love you to talk uh, on the medical aspects of that and that which was um, shared, um, subsequently disappeared very conveniently. But enough of it got out there that we can speak of it and what people can hope to learn from the data that was shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, um, I mean, it certainly seemed that the whistleblower was coming from a, a really genuine place. I mean, that was my impression watching the video. He seemed someone who was extremely concerned about what he was seeing as a, as a data analyst. And, um, of course, the data, uh, can't 100% say what the reason is for the changing pattern in deaths that he had seen. But obviously part of his data was that he was linking that to, um, vaccination, the provision of vaccines. And, um, I mean, I guess my, uh, my thoughts on it is it's really interesting to see the way that that information has been reacted to around the world, um, in terms of him being arrested. And as you mentioned, that data being taken down. Um, compared to maybe commentary that doesn't link excess deaths to the vaccine. So um, just really interesting to look back. And there, there was an article um, that Frank Chung from News.com did with Karen Cutter from the actuaries in December 22, um, where she was commenting on excess death figures in Australia, because of course, our death figures have really mirrored what he was, what this whistleblower was showing um, in, in New Zealand in terms of the quite extraordinary and historical excess deaths. And uh, in that article, she, she sort of gives the example that 13% at that stage was just ex 
so extraordinary and that she hadn't gone back through the data thoroughly, but that in 2007 or 17, there was a terrible flu uptake um, or terrible flu outbreak and that that gave a 1% excess deaths. And so that 13 was just astronomical and and she um, they were sort of blowing the whistle in a way and suggesting that this needed to be looked into and who was looking into this and perhaps that was the responsibility of the, um, the health and wellbeing sort of aspects of the department. And um, But, of course, she wasn't in any way suggesting that it was the vaccines, in fact, strongly suggesting that it wasn't the vaccines. Yeah. And so that's uh, it's just very interesting that that same data of excess deaths that have certainly occurred coincident with the timing of the vaccination rollout um, has been treated so differently as soon as somebody suggests that it's the vaccine that has done that. Yeah, I mean, there's been an active cover-up, whether it's, you know, with the New South Wales Respiratory Health Surveillance Reports, which were devastating to the narrative, that which we are talking about over in New Zealand, and, of course, the, the military data that was coming out in America suggesting that there were heart issues uh, 900 and something percent above what they considered to be the long-term averages. It's really horrific. We had experts, actual experts, who predicted and suggested much of which we will be talking about here today. We had other experts pushed by the media and our politicians who had a slightly different opinion. But one thing that we didn't have nearly enough of during the plan, sorry, I keep saying pl pl pandemic um, was statisticians. And I think a statistician was exactly what was needed. And when it comes to data, statistics tell any thinking person with even the most basic understanding of math, it's very, it paints a very significant picture and it's very devastating to what they painted as their own narrative. Mm. And honestly, I'm, I'm also not sure why their voices have been ignored. So um, Wilson Sy is quite a, a prominent statistician in Australia. He's published an article where he's broken down and made a statistical analysis of the excess deaths uh, in Australia and it certainly strongly drawn the correlation that the vaccines were likely the cause for that. Um, Professor Norman Fenton, an extremely world-renowned statistician, has similarly analysed some of this um, excess death data through, throughout the past couple of years and, um, you know, made similar worrying sort of commentary around the potential risks that we are, that there seems to be evidence that we're seeing around the world. And speaking about around the world, South Korea, there's been some interesting data coming out of there that links the vaccine to an increased risk of blood disorders, something that even those of us without medical degrees um, have just noticed. We happen to notice because we all have friends and we notice when something is disproportionate, something when there is an anomaly. But it's terrific when you have that uh, uh, counted, checked and verified by experts. And of course, there is that increased risk of blood disorders and that information coming out of South Korea at the moment. Mm. Yeah, that article um, I saw as well, a really interesting, um, very a large study that was examining these sort of hematological blood abnormalities. And um, just reflecting on that, I, I think it's uh, really unfortunate that some of the worrying data in the, the very first animal study data on the vaccines was highly suggestive that there was going to be blood disorders. So some of the abnormalities in the animal studies were of various um, white blood cells, even red blood cells, reticulocyte counts, and a virus 
shouldn't be impacting on red blood cells. They um, they don't have a nucleus and viruses normally don't impact on them. So there were just so many worrying signs, even in the early animal data. And of course, it didn't take long before there were so many reports of everything from clotting to um, various white blood cell, red blood cell disorders. And um, of course, now that, um, you know, it's taken large published studies like the one that you just mentioned to... Um, I think really paint a very conclusive picture that we're seeing exactly what might have been first expected based on those animal studies. One of the big things I keep hearing is blood clotting all the time. And uh, again, something that I would suggest that people, probably not the people listening, I would suggest 90 something percent of the people listening probably didn't get a COVID vaccination and you, you literally couldn't have made them get one. But one thing that I am immensely aware of is that if you get a thing called a D-dimer test, it will uh, make you aware of if any clotting, uh, even on a very small uh, microscopic level, is that something that anybody who has had the COVID vaccine uh, or possibly if you have a friend who has had it, you would suggest that they go and have at this point if they're still getting their booster shots? Um. I mean, the D, as far as clinically in terms of the value of a D-dimer is more about diagnosing a, a large blood clot. Um, and it, but certainly I've heard uh, reports and I've seen results of where people's D-dimer is just sort of slightly elevated and there's no evidence that they have a big clot like a DVT or a PE, those clots that have been associated with the vaccines. Um, and I guess outside of uh, diagnosing a clot like that, I'm not as certain of the value of a D-dimer. It's a bit of a non-specific. It's a non-specific marker of of clotting, but also of inflammation and other abnormalities. And um, a lot of people have had high ferritin, which is another inflammatory marker. So it's a marker that something inflammatory is going on, but I'm not sure the value of that, um, how much extra useful information or how it might help a patient to to have a D-dimer level unless they thought that, the, unless they had symptoms of a DVT or a PE, for example. But now the other question I need to ask, and I won't ask it of you because you are in general practice, I will ask it of uh, in general in general, uh, would pra medical practitioners be notably aware, I mean, to the point where you just absolutely cannot deny uh, the amount of health issues that you are coming across that either A, didn't exist in the numbers that you are now finding them, or just in the general upsurge in the number of patients in general versus, let's say, four years ago? Is that a, a tangible, noticeable thing that uh, GPs are, are noticing? I couldn't imagine that there would be many health practitioners who have not noticed a change to some of these um, presentations that they're seeing. So perhaps less so maybe at this point in time, but certainly after the, you know, in the first sort of six months after the vaccine rollout, um, I, I think you would have to be, you know, deliberately not wanting to to think any further on what you were seeing within your own practice to not have noticed some of those changes like what you've mentioned, blood clots, um, a, a whole range of other events, certainly the myocarditis, the neurological events. Um, and unfortunately, I, I think I think there's certainly some evidence of increasing cancers, and that's, again, borne out in the ABS statistics. And, and I think, again, there'll be very few doctors who haven't seen this worrying trend um, of more and more patients being diagnosed with these sorts of conditions. 
Yeah, because I mean, it's very easy to to get caught up in some of the uh, sensationalists posts that are out there on social media. You know, you you get the ones where they're pulling out large calamari looking pieces out of dead, you know, out of cadavers and whatnot. And again, not stuff that I want to get into because I'm not hearing it from doctor friends of mine. I'm not hearing it. I've got a few friends who are morticians and I'm not hearing it in the numbers that I, that would have me worried. Hence why I don't necessarily bring that up as a real thing. It may be the case. I don't know. But certainly, uh, again, we've got doctors, uh, a good friend of mine who is a, a doctor who actually advocated when I went down to uh, get uh, a, a mask exemption from him basically suggested that I had the jab. He was somebody who is now on his fourth booster. And I had a chat with him a couple of weeks ago, and even he now has admitted that he's noticing uh, a few anomalies. And um, without admitting that I may have been right, he certainly is starting to look so. And he's somebody that was very much on board with put your arm out, get your booster. It's a good thing. Trust the science. Uh, Somebody who questions the science, somebody who is a an observer of what is going on and a realist and a hero is you, Dr. Melissa McCann. I thank you for your time here on TNT Radio today and I hope we can have another chat again real soon. Sounds great, Dean. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's Dr. Melissa McCann, everybody. And of course, coming up shortly is the wonderful, the fantastic, the fantabulous. And I've missed being able to uh, to proceed her on air. I am, of course, talking about Katie Hopkins, an absolute champion. Every show is a masterpiece. I cannot overstate it. She is wonderful. I love her. Yes, I'm gushing and I'm very proud to do the show prior to her. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. Put your TVs on. Get your smart TV out. Check out the TNT Radio live stream. Enjoy all the glory. That is Katie Hopkins coming after this. Thanks for sticking around. I'll catch you tomorrow.